Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation, so sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. delighted to be in the company of Patrice Johnson, who you can all can find on Instagram at PatriceJ715. She is a dynamo. She has a, a, a Instagram page as well as a pod, it's a, it's a video, like a video podcast, YouTube channel with her husband called Defining This Thing. You can also find her at Patrice J. Bridal. I think her amazing boys have a little channel that she, you know, moderates for them. She is a social media maven and she is also an amazing and fantastic and exquisite sewist. And so I'm delighted to be joined by her today. We are recording now just a little bit before Thanksgiving, but this episode is going to be part of our Happy New Year 2020 series. And one of the reasons I wanted to do a 2020 series is because 2020 for me symbolizes vision. It's a vision that I never had. I mean, I feel like I've been wearing glasses since I was in like the second grade. And so I never had 2020 vision. So I aspire. So 2020 became that much more aspirational for me. And so throughout the month of January, we're going to be talking about sewing resolutions, sewing goals, sewing clarity. And when I thought about clarity, I thought about Patrice because the work that she does is so exquisite and beautiful. And she has a really wonderful philosophy about what it means to sew and to create um, and about what what really matters in terms of how we develop priorities, not just in sewing, but also in life. So I just wanted to welcome Patrice to the program. Thank you for joining us and happy new year. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Um, always love to chat with you. With you. You're pretty funny. <laughs> Yes. Thank you. And you too. I mean, we had, a, Patrice came to my attention when I was doing my So Tidy Up Thursday series that I used to do. Um, I just recently changed that series to uh, hashtag get your stitch together to tie it more into the podcast. But for a while I was doing this spring cleaning series that seemed to last for like three whole months because there was always something else that needed to be cleaned up. But Patrice <laughs> came to my attention because she said she did not have a sewing stash. And so we are going to get to that, I promise, because this is one of the things that I most admire about her. And there's a lot to admire about her. And this is just one of those things. But I want to get started first with talking a little bit about your sewing, Patrice, and how you got started. How have you been sewing since you were little or did you start as an adult? So I dabbled as a kid. Um, both of my grandmothers sewed. So I was always the pin the pattern, cut the pattern out girl. And, you know, that gradually elevated into doing like small projects with them. Um, but of course, as a teenager, I did not do any type of sewing. I would do crafty things here and there. Um, if it required a sewing machine, great. But if not, it was no big deal. Um, but I didn't get started back. I didn't really pick up an interest in, with sewing until after, um, oh, was it? 2005. So I was about 25 when I picked it back up 
And mm-hmm. it was like, where have you been all my life? <laughs> it's like, I really enjoy this. We, what happened? Right. We used to hang out a lot. Exactly. And, and so what changed in 2005 that made you think about um, trying to do more sewing? You said you also, you had done a lot of creatives when you said you were a teenager. What kind of creative things did you remember doing as a, as a young, as a high school student? Anything that sticks out to your mind? Oh, it would be anything. So it would be, um, you remember those little iron-ons? You can iron on something onto fabric and it would leave this design and then you would get like the puff paint and paint it. Oh, wow. Yes. So I would do pillows and then, you know, I would make hair bows and sell them. Um, It was always, I always, always, I've always been a serial entrepreneur, even in school. Like I would make candy, pralines. I'm from New Orleans. I would make uh, praline candy and candied apples and I sell it at school or buy like the packs of bubble gum 10 for the 10 for a dollar and two cents and sell them for a quarter so I've always been <laughs> interested in a serial like, do you say serial entrepreneur is that what you said serial <laughs> that is amazing that's amazing. I love the story of I love the pralines you know because you know they they can be they're so unique and not everybody can make them and everyone has their own like unique little spin on it so, mm-hmm. and did you say, you said you sold candy apples at school too? Absolutely. I would go to school with a shoebox full of candy. So it'd be praline candy and candy apples. And my goal at the end of the day was to have an empty shoebox to go home with to fill up the next day. Um, but I used the money to get to pay for like my dance tickets or we had Friday night dances and it was always like uh, $5 to get in, $5 to take pictures or $10 to take pictures. And that was the way that I could go. If I couldn't make the money, I couldn't go. <laughs> wow. That's fan that's fantastic. And so you would leave what you would go to school with a shoebox full of treats and come back with a shoebox full of money. And then yeah. uh, that's that is really genius. And I think it's another it's an interesting pattern because I think that sometimes when we're sewing or thinking about sewing, not many folk well, I can't say about many, myself, I can only speak for myself, I don't really think about how can I convert this into some type of income or how can I convert this into, you know, into, into money? Because it just feels like now at my age, it's just like, Oh, it's so much work and so much time. And I'd rather be doing something else. And I'd rather be sewing my own stuff rather than for someone else. But you um, started off in a different way because you started off with that entrepreneurial mindset. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. I've sewn for people off and on and I've quit like 15 times. Like I'm never sewing for anybody else again. <laughs> wow. What is the thing going back to it? Back. What is the thing that I, I'm really curious about this? What is the straw? Do you have some good examples of straws that broke the camel's back where you were like, you know what? Forget it. I am not sewing for nobody again. Never. Like, do you have like some examples where you were just like, that's it. And this, because this could be helpful to people who are not so much of, I guess, lots of people, of course, listen to the podcast. So that's the whole point of it. But it also helps people who sew for money, learn to set boundaries. So I'm curious because I'm nosy and I really want to know what the T is that made somebody (laughs) that made you, that drove you to the edge. And you were saying, not only am I not sewing for you anymore, I'm not sewing for anybody anymore. Never again anywhere. So there's one prom story, then there's one bridal party story. So the Yay, prom story, I'm so excited. Okay, so first of all, it was my 
it was my fault was that I did not um, value myself enough. So I did not charge enough from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically I had these uh, cousins. Um, They were both living with the aunt. So the aunt would bring them in. Um, One girl, pleasure to work with. She was such a sweetheart. She knew exactly what she wanted. um, Picked out her fabric. It was exact, you know, like her vision was clear and and precise Mm -hmm. and I made her dress exactly the way she wanted it, exactly the way that it was sketched out. And even though I didn't necessarily make a profit with her dress, because again, I told Mm -hmm. you I didn't price belt, didn't value my work the the right way. That's right. um, That's right. She was a dream to work for. That's right. Okay. Bless her heart. Yeah. She was a different kind of kid. And, um, so she changed her dress design several times. And so once we had gotten the, what I thought was the final design come in for the final dress fitting. And she's just like, uh, her attitude was just like, mm, it's, you know, it, it's whatever. So the aunt paid me, they took the dress and then I go to ask for pictures. And the lady is basically like, she actually didn't wear the dress. She called her <gasps> sister from another state and her sister flew to St. Louis and um, went, took her dress shopping like the day before the uh, prom. And I was like, you look a little careful. <laughs> what? Are yes. you kidding me? So yes. first of all, night and day experience. Wow. There's so many lessons that you can learn from a terrible story like that. My first lesson is like, first of all, if you could afford to fly somebody, your auntie up here where we live to go take you shopping, I should have charged you three times as much as I did for that doggone dress. First of all, first of all, first of all, Um, but then also (sighs) having a contract and, you know, saying, okay, for changes, this is a fee. So are you sure you want to make the change and, you know, making them be, uh, making them basically be accountable for this is the design you want. You want, you agree to this, sign off on it. Um, you want, Oh, you don't want that anymore. You want to make a change. Sure. Sign off on, on it and also pay me, you know, and um, yes, as much as there's the creative part and the passion of making things and, you know, taking a, you know, flat piece of fabric and making it this beautiful garment. It's your time it's your energy, mm-hmm. it's your effort. You're missing time with your family, your friends or events, or you're staying up till, you know, past, you know, three hours past your bedtime when you still have a job. And, um, that was, you know, the one thing that I learned like, never again, child, never, ever again. So, I mean, I think that's, that is real. It's so powerful because like you said, sometimes every hurt is a lesson you know, that, you know, I bet you were frustrated and wounded and angry. I would have been all of those things and more. And, but then you said, you know what? I know how I can prevent this by setting up policies. Here is the policy. You want to change this? Of course you can sign off on it. This is how much it costs. And I think that the accountability part is what I love about what you said. You know, that clients need to be accountable for their work. I think that maybe folks are just so used to like walking into a store and buying something and trying it. And if they don't like it, they can return it. That I think that maybe it's fast fashion. That's really spoiled people's appreciation of what it means to actually have something made. Um, maybe it's this idea that, Oh, they don't truly value what you bring to the table. Like, Oh, selling something is just as easy as buying it. 
you know? Oh, they have um, no I'm sure concept you... of the work that goes into making a garment, which is why I've been lately when I make dresses, I try and show like the process because it's a lot of work when you, I mean, of course there are some things that's just two seams and a, you know, a piece of elastic in a waistband, but then there are other things that are just a lot more involved when you're talking about someone who does not have a traditional body type. You know, you can't just grab a pattern and cut it and be like, okay, this is going to fit you and you're going to look great in it. You have to do modifications or you have to start from scratch with the pattern. So, you know, there's work that goes into this. There's skills involved, people. <laughs> Absolutely. And for even for, and, and I think that particularly people seem to think that I'm going to look at, I'm going to look at the pattern. And I'm going to look exactly like that. And I'm like, you ain't going to look exactly like that because you don't look like that now. So <laughs> stop playing. Um, right. And I think that that's true of everybody. This is not to body shame. This is true for everybody. For most people, the patterns that way that they're drafted, they're drafted for people who have a certain shape, who don't have hips, who don't have a booty, who don't have boobs, who don't have these things. And if you're sewing, particularly for us as black women, if we're sewing for ourselves, or if we're sewing for other folks in our community, we need to make these modifications, not because there's anything wrong with us, but because there's something wrong with the pattern because it never, it was never made for us to begin with. So all of that goes into it. And I remember my um, hairdresser had this, this sign in her shop once and it said, I'm a beautician, not a magician. <laughs> exactly. So don't feel like, Oh, all you have to do, my favorite, favorite, favorites. when someone tells me, you must love this too. Oh, oh yeah. it will be all easy you for you. <laughs> yeah. All you have to do is this and this and this. It's easy for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if it's so easy, then why don't you do it your damn self? If it's that easy, you know, exactly. I mean, I would hate to deprive you of the opportunity, friend, to do something easy. Yeah. So yeah. you go right ahead and do it. You're listening to the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch. We're talking today with Patrice J. Bridal about the challenges of formal wear and sewing for other people. When we come back from the break, we'll hear another story um, of Patrice's creativity um, not being fully appreciated as it should be and what you can learn from that, too. Stay tuned. Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, we talk a lot about sewing. But if you want to see and not just hear about some of the things we've been discussing, feel free to join us on the socials. You can find us at Stitch Please on Facebook, and you can also find us on Instagram at Black Women Stitch. You can find photos of projects that we've been working on, really interesting social commentary and on Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time you can join Black Women Stitch for a live Instagram chat again that's every Thursday at 3 p.m. so find us on the socials follow up with us we are happy to hear your direct messages you can reach out to us at the Black Women Stitch page on Instagram and we'll help you get your stitch together
So now you got to tell me about the bridal story. Now I'm all intrigued because, yes, okay. the cousins, so, that's pretty great. So the prime story, the cousins, I was like, oh, I'm never sung for anybody else ever, 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 ever again. But then um, a few years went by and a friend of mine was And like, you forgot. <laughs> I forgot about it. You know, though sometimes th- those ball lessons, if you're not constantly doing it, you forget about it. You, you know, you, some things you have to repeat. So... I was so excited because she was like, I'll be, you know, would you make our bridesmaids dresses? <gasps> oh my God, I get to do a bridal party. I've always wanted to do a bridal party. So it was five girls, um, fabric pick, fabric selection, like the bridesmaids, no problem at all. But then later on, it was like the mother of the bride also wanted something because she had been looking around. And she had not been able to find anything that was fabulous enough for her to be in this wedding. And she admired my work because she also had a similar body type than mine. So a lot of boobs, little mm-hmm. boobs. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, great. You're like, it's like making a dress for me. So she comes in, she picks her own fabric. I mean, like, you know, I'm like, this is the fabric. You know, do you want the matte side? Do you want the shiny side? You know, like I go through this entire process with right. her. And um, maybe it was the weekend of the wedding. (gasps) I get a phone call and she's like, "Um, I don't like my dress. It's too shiny. I don't um, like the way that it fits. Um, and, And I'm just like, we've had multiple fittings. You raved over this fabric. You chose the shiny side because you wanted to show up. And I refunded her her money. You did not. <laughs> I did. I was like, sometimes it's just not worth it. I was like, you what know what? What did you do with the I dress? Did you keep the dress? No, I let did her you have keep- it. <gasps> what? And then went to the wow. wedding and, and went to the wedding and was like, hi, so good to see you again. And hugged her. <laughs> did she have the dress on? She did not. She did not mm. have the dress on and the dress that I made for her looked a lot better than the one that she wore. So I was, pleased. maybe she had her auntie come down and take her shopping the day before the wedding. <laughs> but yeah, people have these um, pictures in their head of what they're supposed to look like. And then a lot of times I, I also think what, what also happens is that they, they come, they're pleased with, they're pleased with, they're happy with it, but there's, not as confident as they need to be. So when they get home and they show it to someone else, if that person doesn't oh, have the reaction yes. that they want them to have, their confidence is shook. And then it's like, oh, well, I don't like this. No, you love right. it here. And now you don't That's like right. it. Girl, yeah. Girl. Right. Right. And it's because it's because it's not about the dress. It's about the person wearing the dress. That's the exactly. problem. You know, mm-hmm. and that, that, and I feel like, and this is one of the reasons that I don't do weddings or anything like that is that they're so emotionally intense. These special occasion, there's so, someone was like, I think I had on a dress once I was picking up my kid from elementary school and they were like, Ooh, I really like what you have on. That's so pretty. Could you make me one? And I mean, Patrice, this was a simple dress. This must've been some kind of like halter top thing with a built-in shelf bra and ties that tied in the back around the neck. And I had made it really long and I was wearing some sandals. It was like incredibly easy. It was so easy that I was like, you know, I could probably make this for you. Yeah. It's not much fitting involved. It's just easy. And then she said, I want it for my wedding. And I said, oh, no, (laughs) ma'am. Oh, no, ma'am. 
you almost got me there. Ha. Huh. I'm glad you kept talking because that's a hard pass. Because mm-hmm. I think it's, as you said, like people, they're, they're excited and they're happy in the fitting room when they come into your studio, they're excited and they're just amazed that you are making something for them. And then, like you said, they might get home or look, or they're looking at themselves and they're doubting themselves or whatever the other feelings or emotions that get caught up in it. And then that just changes how they see themselves, which has absolutely nothing to do with the work that you have done. And so I said, that's just too much. That is but just too while, But I recently did much. a wedding and um, it, it was, it was perfect because I, I, I stuck to my policies. I stuck to my fittings. I stuck to the sign, like having them sign off and um, it, the accountability was there. And so I think it made the process a lot, um, made the process go a lot smoother. And of course, I mean, there's always, you know, well, you know, but can I add this and can I change that? I don't have a problem with doing those kind of changes or, you know, working with them. But um, I think, I definitely think like having the process and the systems in place, um, let them know that I'm not just some chick sewing in my basement, which I am. But, you know, like it's a legit business. You're going to pay me what I'm worth and I'm going to provide you a quality dress that, you know, that we designed together. So it makes a difference. And it's so, and it's so unique. That's the thing is that what you are creating with them is not something they could just buy off the rack. And I think that I'm, I'm very glad that you have been working with your clients and training them to value your time as well as respect the process that you were both engaged in together. And then that creates something that's not just a dress for a special occasion. That's how you create an heirloom. That's how you create something that means something to them, not just at the, for the event, but also something they want to save, something they want to pass down, something that has a lot of good memories tied up in it. So I think that's, it's like, it's like you're creating almost like an archive of memory through that outfit, through that garment in fabric. I think it's really beautiful and powerful. Yes, I've definitely, I mean, I enjoy the, so like the fast sewing. It's one of those things I can, I can do it, but I'd rather just buy it, (laughs) you know, know, I see people, you know, make t-shirts and make jeans and I'm like, yeah, I've made a pair of jeans before. I've made t-shirts. I've made like the McCall 6886. Like everybody's made that body kind dress. But when I mm-hmm. go to Walmart and that little tried and true brand, I'm like, hmm, I can spend <laughs> $40 on fabric in two and a half, three hours of time, or I could spend $15 to get this dress. <laughs> and we so, all know, you know about how you feel about buying extra fabric. So I can see why you'd make that choice. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, but, but then, but then on the flip side, it's like, if I, for instance, with this gown that I'm making for myself now, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm adoring the process of it. So, you know, I'm like, I've done my, um, I drafted, I draped my pattern and I've trued it up and I've, you know, put it back on the dress form for fit to check the fit. And now the next thing is to do like my muslin for myself. And I love the slow sewing of formal wear. I love the boning. I love the casing. I love the support layers. Like I, that's my jam. I like dresses that take weeks to construct. I love it. I, I'm going to work on a little bit today and walk away from it. Mm-hmm. 
And I love that. I, I love, like, I, I, I was thinking recently something you did was you were just, I think it was like a little poll you had said, like, should I do a sleeveless or off the shoulder or one shoulder? I was like, one shoulder, one shoulder. I was excited that that apparently won <laughs> and it's going to be a one shoulder dress. I feel like I made something, but, um, watch, I did see you doing the draping on the form. And I think that there's something to be said for, I like a structured dress as well. I don't enjoy formal wear sewing per se, but I do like structuring a full skirt. I do like to wear crinoline underneath. I do like to use, um, um, uh, uh, what's that? Not grow grain ribbon. Um, the horse hair. other ribbon. Yeah. The horse hair braid and the hem. I love to, mm-hmm. I love those aspects because it just gives it a little bit of pop, even though I know I don't have the patience for, um, and I, some of the other architectures I do like some of the engineering, the, the boning in the seams to help it stand up the stays, you know, things like that. I think for me, I find that same kind of satisfaction in bra making that you can, yeah. when you make a bra and how, like, you know, mm-hmm. you make a bra that has an underwire and when you, when you slide that underwire in there, you know, it's going to do what it's supposed to do when you're adding the, um, the Pico elastic around the edge, when you're putting your hardware in, all of those things are similar to what you're describing. Um, though it doesn't take that long to make a bra. Um, it takes way <laughs> longer to make a dress. Trust me. But especially when you say weeks, I was like, oof. Yeah. By then I'm pretty sure I would have lost interest. Um, but it's also something that you are making that you are, it's an investment. It's, it's a, it's a real statement piece. And that's something I think is really, really powerful. And that it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful form of self-care in a way, because you are taking the time to construct something with love and care and patience and diligence that you're going to give to yourself. That's going to fit yourself. And that's, it's, that's really powerful. It is. And then, you know, you, when you talk about, um, when you talk about like fitting for yourself, when you spent like your entire life going to the store to buy special occasion dresses and gowns, because in New Orleans, everything is a formal homecoming is a formal sweetheart ball. Right. Like in high school, you know, there were five or six occasions for you to wear a formal gown. And with my size, it was the hardest thing to buy a dress off the rack. So to be able to make a dress and know that it is going to fit like a glove, it's like the best feeling in the world. It also, even before that, even before size inclusivity became an issue for ready to wear companies, you had already developed a solution. Mm, yeah. Which was to sew for yourself. It was either that or not wear dresses. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And who, no one, you don't, no one's going to do that. You know, well, not no one, but you certainly don't have to. Um, and I think that that's one of the really, I think really liberating aspects of creativity is that you don't have to rely on what's, what's been given to you. You can just do it yourself. And I think that that's a really great feeling. You're listening to the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch. I'm talking today with Patrice J. Bridal about the risks and rewards of sewing formal wear for other people and the immense rewards of sewing formal wear for yourself. When we come back, we'll talk more with Patrice about her stash-free sewing. Stay tuned.
Hello, Stitchers. We have a limited edition opportunity for you to support the Stitch Please podcast and the Black Women Stitch project as a whole and get some more fabric in your collection. These are mystery fabric boxes of fabrics that have been divided into woven and knit. There's boxes that, that are stuffed with black and white fabrics. There's boxes of chevron fabrics. There's boxes of fabrics called, I think, adventure or nature or something like that. Um, and these are completely full of fabrics. These are medium flat rate USPS boxes that can be sent directly to you for $30 and that shipping is included. So if you're interested in building your stash or um, taking a chance on some really cool fabrics, let me know. You can DM me on Instagram at Black Women Stitch or you can send me an email at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com and we will send you a mystery box of very cool fabrics, $30 shipping and insurance included. And that'll help you get your stitch together too. Thanks. I, I wanted to transition to talk about your stash-free sewing. You were saying earlier before we started recording. So as I mentioned earlier, folks, um, Patrice and I talked about this uh, several months ago um, when I was doing my So Tidy Up series, and it was really great. We got a lot of really great questions. People mostly were like, how though? How, Sway? What? What do you mean? Are you... How and why? That was the major why? big question. It was just like people were so concerned. And then you said people were sliding your DMs to offer you fabric. And, um, you know, because they were like, what on earth? You know, and so I just thought this was really incredible because we've been talking um, about your work in bridal wear, your work in formal wear, how you love slow sewing, how you appreciate the process how you make beautiful garments for other people. And when I imagine someone who does that type of work, I imagine, because I can only, you know, think about myself, I guess, in this context, someone who has a, a, a fabric collection like I do, you know, I have a lot of fabric. I feel like you would need a lot of fabric because you sew for other people, you sew for yourself. And that's not true at all. So when we last talked, I think you had seven pieces of fabric in your stash or six. And has that changed? It might have been four, five, six. Okay, so it has changed because I'm I made something using the black and white print, and I used the um, one of the um, tribal looking prints. So now I have white for my wedding dress. I'm getting having a I'm doing a vow renewal next in February. Oh, exciting! So I have white fabric for my wedding dress. Um, I have the blue, I still have the same blue fabric that I didn't know what I was going to use it for. Um, and I'm using that in December for the award ceremony. And um, I think I have, a, I still have that same gold Ponty knit that I'm going to use for um, a, that two-piece sweater skirt set that everybody's making. It was the So Your Views Project of the oh, Month. Oh, yes. Um, you know, the one with the cute sleeves. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, I've not added anything else. Wait, I think that's just four pieces of... <laughs> I still have that pearl fabric. Gosh. Yeah, I still have the pearl fabric. That's... So I actually have to get lining for the... I have to go out and buy lining for my blue dress. And I have to buy lining for my wedding dress. And yeah, I... It's still, it's still slim. slim. I think that's... So basically, you can count on one hand 
the pieces of fabric you have in your fabric collection right now? Yes. Wow. Yes. That is astounding. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is absolutely astounding. Um, I wanted to talk a bit about why you like about your philosophy, because that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you as we start the new year, as I said, 2020 clarity, et cetera, et cetera, um, a way to think about facing the new year with this sense of awareness and purpose. And I think that's what I recognize and value in addition to your general awesomeness and badassery and creativity is this clarity that you say, I'm going to buy what I need. And when I need something else, I'll get it. But I don't need to stockpile. I don't need an archive. I don't need a library full of fabric. I don't need, you know, all the stuff that, you know, I don't, I don't need that. And so could you tell us a little bit about your philosophy and what motivated it? Uh, sure. So, um, again, I, I mentioned that I'm from New Orleans originally, but my husband and I are. And um, I used to be a collector of things. Like I had a bookcase full of books and I had photo albums everywhere and, you know, high school mementos and family pictures all over the wall. And just, you know, basically if there was something that I was into, I had lots of it. Um, and then Hurricane Katrina hit and it was all gone, like in a matter of, you know, a day or weekend, because once we left um, the city, we didn't get back for a few months. So it was like all of this stuff and I'm homeless and I don't have anything, but literally the clothes on my back. And so when we settled back down, finally got settled in St. Louis, um, of course, we're starting over from scratch. I did the desire to buy a bunch of things wasn't there. It was like, we just need a sofa, a place to sit. We just need a bed and a mattress. We don't need a dresser. Um, and of course, you know, like we've, you know, accumulated things, like we still have things, but I purge often. Um, I will go through my closet and be like, there's too much, too many things in here. And I'll fill, fill a bag to take the goodwill just because it was Wednesday morning and I was looking through my closet and couldn't find the dress that I was looking for because it was too tight mm -hmm. and I'll purge. Um, uh -huh. I don't, I just don't keep a lot of stuff. Um, so it's a little bit of post-traumatic stress, Yes, yes. <laughs> but it's also just, uh, you know, definitely knowing that, you know, all of these things that we accumulate and we hold value in really has no value at all because it can be taken away in a moment. So, um, that's where the, the stash freeness came from because I try and lead like a stash free life, but yeah, we definitely purge a lot in this house. And so I, and I, I, de I hear what you're saying about the post-traumatic stress. And I think that trauma can expose something about it. I think trauma denaturalizes things that we experience as normal. So before your traumatic event, you thought, of course you have a house full of stuff. If you like something, why, why buy 10 when you could buy 20, you know, that kind of thing. And then you have this traumatic loss and it kind of teaches you I think teaches a lot of people about what really matters. And it's not like you don't sew anymore. It's that you're, you're still sewing and making beautiful. Sew. Huh? Yeah, definitely still sewing. It's just that we can get it when we need it versus buying it and just, and just having it for me. That's, you know, the way I look at yes. it. Yes. You can get it when you need it. But I do have regrets. 
about <laughs> in what way? Like, is there fabric that you left behind at the fabric store that you were like, I should have rescued that poor, poor piece of Ponte? Oh, yes. I went to London in February with the family and uh, stumbled upon this fabric store that I cannot remember the name of, went back through my pictures, can locate the corner of <laughs> the corner of the shop and still can't figure out the name of the shop so, I, so that I can call them. And um, I took a picture of this gorgeous fabric, but it was like 199 uh, pounds per meter. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'm paying this much money for some fabric. I'll find something, you know, close to it on the internet. The internet has everything. I have not yet found a piece of fabric that not even remotely resembles this. And occasionally I just go back through the pictures from London and every time I see it, I'm like, I should have bought that fabric. So I do have regrets. Oh my good. Well, you know, but I've not found a piece of fabric that special again. Not well, yet. I think what we should do is we is instead of like I ask people to provide a photograph for their cover episode, cover for the episode. So I will use if you give me that picture, I will use that picture for the cover of this episode. And we do have some people that listen in London. Maybe they will recognize the shop or the fabric oh, or whatever, and maybe they can help you out. We have people listening all over the world, but we do have some lis- listeners in the UK and in London. So maybe they can help you out. It, listen, the fabric was near Ox- near the Oxford Street. <laughs> it was near Oxford Street, um, you know, that little busy area near, near the uh, tube there, the Oxford Street. Oxford Street too. Okay. Um, but yes, I will send you a picture of that. Fabric. Yes. Help me. It's like, where's, uh, where's, where's Waldo? Waldo? Where's Where fabric? in the world is Carmen San Diego and this piece of material? That's what we need. That would be amazing. Oh, I hope that, that, that fabric. I hope that someone does recognize it or can point me in a direction because I have looked and I've scoured the internet and I have been, I've come up dry. But when I saw the fabric, in the store, I was like, ooh, this would be my wedding dress. And it is not white. Oh. Um, <laughs> this would be my wedding dress. So I really, if I could afford to to go back to London, I may have to see what's happening for Black Friday. If I can get a ticket, I'm going back. To get that fabric. <laughs> and try and find it. This is another thing. I, that fabric. That's gr- it's beautiful. This is another thing I think is great about your approach is that when you are careful with your selections, if you really, really want something, then you'll get it, you know, because you only, you already only have five pieces of fabric already. You know, I mean, if you're going to check in a six piece of fabric, it's got to be special. (laughs) I really wish that I would have bought that fabric because that would be, um, the, the wedding is our vow renewal is going to be on a beat. And the fabric just reminds me of the ocean. It is to to me, it's like ocean, just bliss, serenity. And um, I've not found anything remotely close. So that was the one time that my frugalness bit me in the ass. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, now I want you to send it to me earlier so that instead of having it, I can have it, I can put it for your podcast episode, but that's not going to come out until January. But now I want you to send it to me now so I can see if I can share it around and see if anybody else, I have some folks I know who are in the UK totally and say like, see if they still have this still, what's the name of this shop at least? 
You know, I think I feel like I feel like a, a purge. Yeah, I will send it to you. I feel yeah, I feel a rush of fabric detective coming on. You know, that that sounds really exciting. Listen, I will be forever grateful. I mean, forever grateful. That, that sounds so amazing. Yeah. So the fabric shop next to the Oxford Tube Station, and you have a photograph and everything. At least if you get yes. the name of the fabric shop, you'll be able to call them, and you have the picture, and you can say, "This is what yeah. I'm looking for." And yeah. all that'll be much cheaper than you getting a, a plane ticket over there. Well, yeah, I was like Norwegian Air, it, you know, Black Friday, you know, if, it, if they smile on me right, then maybe I can give me a plane ticket to go back for cheap. But yeah, that's the one regret that I have. The one. Wow. That's pretty powerful. But I think overall, I think you seem to say, suggest earlier that you were, because you were on a trip with your family and you said that rather than spending money on collecting all this fabric, you would rather spend the money on experiences, on doing things with the kids, on, you know, doing this, this wedding vow renewal in this beautiful place on the beach. You know, like these are, these are the things, these are the choices that you're making when you choose to, um, not collect fabric, you're collecting something else. Absolutely. We, um, I don't, my kids love to travel because really that's all that they know. Um, but as a kid, we didn't, we couldn't afford to travel much. Um, and that's the same, same is true for my husband. So it was like once, you know, we figured out our life and how to manage our finances, right. It was like, yeah, we're taking trips, buddy. And I mean, and it could be as simple as, I mean, St. Louis is situated perfectly where there's like five or six major cities within a four to six between four to six hour drive. Oh, from is that us. right? So it doesn't even, yeah. So we're Chicago, Nashville, Louisville, um, Kansas city, Memphis for between wow. four and a half to five oh, hours. That's great. So, yeah. So even it, and a lot of people think travel means catching a flight or going overseas. And for us, it's just getting away from our norm and doing something new mm-hmm. and different that we can't do in St. Louis. But yeah, we, we we do a lot of travel as a family. And what a great gift for the kids too. It lets <laughs> them see, you know, the world and the different parts of the world in a different way, you know, lets them see that, you know, all of these things are within your reach. You know, all you got to do is get in the car and go there. You know, I think that that kind of gift of mobility, the yeah. gift of a change of scenery, trying new food, seeing new things, um, that's pretty great for a kid to expand their worldview. Yes. It's uh, definitely one of the things I wish I would have been, been done more of, even before we have, have before we had the boys, you know, would have loved to have traveled more with my husband. But, you know. We're getting it in now, so making the best of our current situation. Yeah, and then when the and then sure. when the kids are grown, which will be there before you know it. I have two boys. My two boys are about four years apart, and that means that one of them is a junior in college, and the other is a junior in high school. And next year for my birthday, okay. well, this year for my birthday, since we're in twenty twenty, this year for my birthday. My husband and I are going to Paris, which I'm really excited about. Um, and then when my youngest, he'll be graduating from high school next year. And then the other one will be done with college at the same time. I plan to probably have a total nervous breakdown 
um, because my kids will, I will have a totally like, I'll be like totally empty nesting and like not know what to do with myself with, with my time. time and with anything mm-hmm. else. And so then we need another trip. I had already told my husband that too. I was like, I need to take a trip when um, the youngest graduates high school and the other one graduates college so that I'm not just sitting around the house like crying like um, someone who has lost, you know, you know, all her wits. <laughs> yes, vacation the the emptiness. That's, away. By, that's my plan. Vacation. My sisters just went to Morocco. They had a great time there. Like there's places to go. And my one of my, my youngest sister is studying to be to do a tra- to do to do travel agency work, you know, so she can get like flight deals and she's really good at organizing trips. So I think travel Oh good. Yeah. And I love travel, but like unlike you, like when I go traveling places, I look for two things. Food the two Fs. Food and fabric. I get it from everywhere. Food and fabric. Food and fabric. Everywhere. Now I it's the same for me. It's the same for me, but I don't always buy fabric. So um, I went to Atlanta a couple of, I think a couple months ago. And um, so what is it? Fine Fabrics <gasps> or Gail K Fabrics? I went, I went to it? Fine Fabrics. I went in the, the warehouse store. one, the really big one with the top. Yeah, I went in there. Yes. Yes, that one where it's just like racks and racks yes. as far as your eye yes. can see. So I went in there and I stayed in there for quite some time. And I did not buy a single piece of fabric. Oh my gosh. How did you manage? I, I, one, because I still have that blue fabric from, uh, from London in my head and nothing measures like, up to that. That wasn't in there. I told you what I wanted. I said, I was going to send you a picture, Lisa. Why aren't you listening? I told you what I was looking for and they didn't have it. So it's like nothing measures up to that. It's just not good enough. Um, <laughs> And then, um, I just was like, yeah, no, I, you know, okay, no, it's, it's, it's nice, but no, I didn't have any plans for anything. Um, yeah, I just didn't see anything that, that was like, take me home now. Yes. I, and I can appreciate so that. I so I did the opposite. I was also in fine fabrics a few months ago. I was there. Um, I had just done, I'd done a work thing in the morning and then in the afternoon I did that. And so I went and I bought some fabric and because I like to travel light with just like a little carry on and I wasn't coming straight home after that trip, I had to go to DC and do some other work. And I was like, I don't know, I'll mail a box back to myself. I'll mail this box back to myself. And when I get home, I can open it and put it away. Do you know that I bought that fabric uh, maybe two months ago? I have yet to open that box. It is sitting, that fabric that I had to have that I wanted so bad that I got from fine fabric. I had to have it. I had to have it. I couldn't leave it there. It was speaking to me left and right. All that stuff was speaking to me and jumping in my shopping cart. It is in that box sealed. I have, I'm going to be so surprised when I open it up. I I have no idea. It's going to be, I might wait till Christmas. I might wait until Christmas. Right. Or, you know. Put a bow on it, Lisa. I Put will. I will. Like, see, someone got me something. And watch. I will be so surprised. I'll be like, what is this? Oh, I remember those bra straps. Yes. Okay. Yes. This pe- Pico Edge Elastic. <laughs> oh, man. Someone knew exactly what I wanted. Yeah. It would be me. 
so it's so terrible. But then I discovered this. Um, I discovered this. It was new to me. Um, so I go to Chicago all the time, and I would always go to Vogue oh, Fabrics or um, Rainbow Fabric in Evanston. Yeah. Right. Um, I found out about this place called Textile Discount Outlet. Oh. It's in this little Jewish neighborhood in Chicago, and it is four floors of fabric, everything that you could possibly think and imagine. Like when you first walk through the doors, there's this there's this glass case of um, rhinestone bodices that are wow. like the bodice panels that you see on like prime gowns and the blingy blingy $300 a panel wow. and uh, just fabric hanging from the walls and it's all the sparkles and, and sequins and pearls and and I I walked around the store and I was like okay alright this is a bit overwhelming because it's a lot and um, I was fixated on so, do you like Christian Siriano? I don't know. Oh, if you yeah, do or yeah, not. of course. He's amazing. Little, little boy. Project yes. Runway. Okay, so a while, a long while back, he had posted this picture of this dress, and the bodice was like encrusted in like pearls. Wow. Just clusters of pearls over the whole bodice. And there was like this um, hanging from the wall, there was this swatch, this, uh, this length of fabric that was basically sheer mesh with pearls all over it that fabric i bought (laughs) (laughs) that came home with me that is that spoke to you that piece came home that spoke to you that was i was like it's like christian seriano i must well of course so i i you know it's like i have these these images in my head and so like some things are like if you see it you get it um and then other things are like yeah i don't really need it that It's so good because I feel like we get so seduced into buying whether we need it or not. Um, And I feel like, you know, I get the Joann's flyer every, you know, three times a month or twice a month and I get the emails. And now for some reason they started sending me text messages, Lord. It's just like, who are you? Some ex? What is going on? Why are you blowing up my phone? Um, But all of this in this, your answer is stalker bay. Yeah, kind of stalker bay for real. And it's just like this urgency. Like now it's like bigger than Black Friday. Now it's going to be. And it's just like I was looking through the thing. I'm like, I don't need it. I don't need it. No, I don't need it. I don't. And so I'm trying. So I know that there's a group. Um, we talked with Alethea Hudson um, about a month ago. And I guess in January, mm-hmm. they do a no spend January, like where they don't buy any fabric at all um, throughout the month of January. And I guess it's a, you know, another, another way to kind of start uh-huh. purging or to start thinking more deliberately about the choices that one makes with fabrics and stuff. Um, and I think I always find that really impressive. I'm not mm-hmm. about to lie, lie to myself or to anybody else and saying I'm going to do it, but I can definitely see why it'd be a good idea. <laughs> For sure. But, you know, it is hard, though. I definitely understand, like, the urge to buy fabric all the time. The sewing community is so diverse, and everybody is just putting their, their own little creative spin on things. And you're, So you're constantly seeing, ooh, that's pretty. I could make that, too. Maybe I should make that. So, like, you, the images are there, and you just, you want to, I mean, there's all these, like, sewing monthly challenges and all this stuff. So I... I get the urge to want to like sew and, and make what everybody else is making. But like half the time, this shit won't look good on me anyway, because <laughs> I don't have the same body type, sir. Right. So, or you know. like you make it 
I pick my battles. Or you make it and you're like, I made this, but I don't really love this. Or I was part of this challenge and I did all this stuff and now I have stuff that I don't totally, totally love. So I'm trying to be more uh, wise about how I participate in these kind of things because I need to do more of what you're doing, which is getting rid of stuff. I had a, um, I hosted a sewing class, um, a sip and sew a few months ago. And as part of it, I donated 20 dresses that I had sewn and, and, and now I'm like, I could, and you can't, and telling you, you look at my closet it looks like I didn't give anything away. And I make all my clothes, like almost everything I wear, underwear, outerwear, garments, or whatever. It's all stuff that mm-hmm. I made. So I make a lot of stuff. But that also means you end up with a lot of stuff still. Whether I buy it at the store, whether I make it, it's still there. So I'm, I do need to think more carefully. And I think that's one of the things I really admire about your approach is the thoughtfulness of it. So if you see a piece of fabric that's $200 a meter, you're like, I'm going to get that because I don't buy, I don't hop up and buy everything I see or everything that comes down or every sale that comes in my email inbox. You know, I'm deliberate and I'm going to make this deliberate choice to do something special for myself. And that I think is really admirable. Yeah. I I mean, I appreciate that from you because I mean, another thing is like, I have two young kids I work, I actually do have a nine to five. (laughs) So, you know, I don't even have the time to sit and sew the way that I used to. Like before kids, I would sew, I was, you know, I was always making a, oh, go somewhere, cute dress for this, cute dress for that. And now I'm like, uh, my birthday is fine. I'll do a dress for my birthday, but I don't know if I'm doing a dress for everything else. You know what I'm saying? Um, Because I just don't have the time. So, and that's why it'd be nice to have like Cinderella's forest creatures come through though and like that's yeah right come and like every day a bird come and drape all the stuff and you know some kind of little squirrel with a needle and thread would sew it all together for you do what you don't want that it'd make a mess it'd be awful you know please a squirrel (laughs) run across this floor right now i would faint dead i would they'd be like what happened to her oh a squirrel (laughs) yeah your mama got killed by a squirrel sorry (laughs) that that would be it well, this has been a real pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, tell us where we can find you on the socials, and I'll be sure to include those links in the show notes. Um, Patrice J seven one five. If you want to know like the crazy me, um, and then Patrice J bridal for all things um, draping and wedding dresses and you know um, formal occasion wear. Um, and then my husband and I, I think we start back our, I guess, next season of defining this thing. So if you're interested in uh, my relationship, we've been married 20 years in February. Um, we're at defining this thing on Instagram and YouTube. That's fantastic. Congratulations on your anniversary next month. That's fantastic. Um, 20 years is really a beautiful milestone. I can't wait to see the pictures of this amazing dress, but do send me that picture in the meantime, and I'm going to put it on the, um, on my page to see if somebody in the London area would knows what we're talking about, because I am now really excited. I will. All right. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. We've been talking with Patrice Johnson of Patrice J bridal about formal wear stash free sewing and other things that'll help us appreciate 
the creativity that we have in sewing. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And do please check out Patrice on the social media, Instagram, and YouTube. And the links to her pages and her accounts are in the show notes. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. There are a variety of ways that you can support the program, and you're doing it right now. By listening to the, pro- by listening to the podcast, it does help us grow. Another way to do that is to rate the podcast, review it, subscribe to it. All of these things are ways that you can support the podcast without having to spend any money at all. If you would like to spend some money to support us, there are ways to do that as well. You can make direct donations to our Patreon site for monthly contributions, as well as one-time contributions to PayPal, Cash App, or Venmo. And finally, we have another cute, very adorable way for you to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. It's a pin, a P-I-N enamel lapel pin that's very cute. It's about two inches wide and one and a half inch tall, and it's of the Black Women's Stitch logo. And that is $15 with free shipping to the U.S. And so if you drop $15 in the PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App accounts, and then send me your email, no, not email, if you send me your mailing address to my email, either at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com, or you send me a direct message on the Black Women's Stitch Instagram page, we will put the pin in the mail to you. Um, Again, free shipping, $15 for the pin, and all of this goes to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. Thank you again for joining us this week. Come back next week, and we will help you get your stitch together.